marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. You're a doc, you studied this, you've talked to the researchers. You're right. saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized recreation. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect to open yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? Good morning and Happy New Year. You're listening to The Cannabis Hour, and I'm your host, Jen Procacci. The Cannabis Hour is a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. Today's show is an update regarding our county's cannabis cultivation program. I'm going to be joined by Supervisor John Hashcheck and Covalo Cannabis Advocacy Group founder Monique Ramirez, and I expect that Supervisor Ted Williams will also be joining us shortly. And together, we will be discussing the current status and upcoming plans for our ever-evolving cannabis cultivation ordinance. John and Mo, do I have you both on the line? Yes, this is Mo. I'm here. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Mo. John, are you with us as well? Hello. Hi. Can you hear us, John? It looks like um, John might be having a little bit of a technical difficulty. So in the meantime, while we wait for him to get that sorted out, um, Monique, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're the founder of the Covalo Cannabis Advocacy Group, and you're a small cultivator yourself. Uh, would you take a moment just to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Um, my name is Monique Ramirez, and I live in Mendocino County up in Covalo, and I'm happy to be on the show today to represent the Covalo Advocacy Group and um, Small Farms. Great. Thank you so much, Monique. Um, John, are you here with us? All right. While we're waiting for John to join us, um, Monique, I know that what Hello. we're going to be talking about today, I wanted to ask the um, Cannabis Ad Hoc Committee what in general they've been working on. But I know that one of the things that they have been working on is um, this CEQA problem that cultivators are facing. So could you take a moment and just explain to our listeners who might not know um, what is this problem with the CEQA that our uh, licensed cultivators have been trying to navigate? Yeah, it's been a, well, that's kind of a long answer. <laughs> um, in, in a nutshell, it just seems that um, the county has had some difficulties trying to figure out a pathway um, with, the, with working with the state. Um, they've been at it for a couple of years trying to figure out how to incorporate the mitigated negative declaration as a pathway that applicants could use to satisfy the CEQA requirements, 
but unfortunately that um, didn't meet the requirements of the state. Things had to be site-specific, and so they've been trying to work out a compromise and come up with a pathway that would be a hybrid to satisfy CEQA requirements and yet not make applicants have to go through a full-blown um, initial study and all of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what's been happening, um, but it's definitely been a challenge because our process at the county level is ministerial, so if people can't meet the requirements, then they don't qualify, but they're trying to figure out a way to, um, again, come up with a compromise. So some are going to end up having to do a full-blown CEQA, and other people might be able to use a more streamlined pathway, which they're referring to it as an Appendix G, and there might even be some other possibilities out there that the ad hoc has been exploring. Okay, good morning. This is John Hartnick. Hi, John. Great. We can hear you great. Thank you so much for calling back in. How's it going today? Hey, well, today hopefully is better than yesterday. So, um, wild day yesterday I hope for so. our country. Yeah, certainly was pretty crazy, pretty historic events. Um, very sad and unfortunate, in my opinion. Right. So, John, um, Monique just took a moment to sort of explain um, in a very simplified way to our listeners who might not know what the challenges that cultivators were facing with this CEQA situation. And I want to dive deep into that and really discuss that and discuss what the ad hoc committee um, or what the, what the county in general might be doing to help us navigate that situation. But before we get into that, while we're waiting for Ted to join us, I just wanted to ask you if there's anything else that the ad hoc committee has been working on or if that has been the main focus for, for you both. Well, it's certainly been the main focus, but we are working on some other things. And, uh, you know, I'm still working on the cooperative development. So it's um, also getting the equity grant up and running. Those are other issues we've been looking at. But the main focus certainly is the CEQA issue and making sure people can get through to their annual licenses and um, probably an extension of the deadline for the provisionals. Great. Could you tell us a little bit more about the equity grant while we're seeing, while we're um, waiting for Ted to join us? Well, the equity grant is being run by this firm out of Oakland, and I guess, you know, what we've heard is that next month that they'll start um, taking the applications and really working on it, seeing who's eligible, figuring out the eligibility. Well, we have the eligibility requirements, but making sure, you know, taking in the applications, seeing where people want to go with it. One part of it will be cooperative development um, training and education, but we're really trying to see what else we can do beyond that to see if we can uh, really try to have cooperative development, the actual nuts and bolts of it happen with this, pretty much the match money that the county is putting up $100,000. That that was our commitment for the equity grant. So. 
So my vision is to use that money to um, really help get cooperatives going. And um, with that, I think that it would pro- it, it's economic development for the county and would probably be an enticement for people to get into the legal market and um, so forth. So I see that as a real need for our small mom and pops to to make it, and um, it would give um, purchasing power, it would give marketing ability, distribution, all those things could be um, helped out with this cooperative development plan. Yeah, I love what you have to say about the funds possibly being available to help fund cooperatives, because I know I've had um, Janine Coleman on the show in the past, and she's sort of laid out for us um, the process through which um, groups would go through to try to um, navigate the cooperative process. And it seems very costly and time consuming. So it's great to hear that funds could potentially be available for that. Um, would there be a chance that funds would also be available to those who wanted to establish appellations? Boy, I'm not sure about that, but we have a meeting later today, and I could ask that question. We have a meeting with staff to talk about the equity grant. So so that's a good one, too. Yeah. I would be very curious to hear about that um, because... That's also a process I I have heard is extremely costly and time-consuming and um, would definitely give some small cultivators a little bit more leveraging power in the market. Monique, do you have any questions or comments about the equity program or places that you would like to see that money go? I mean, yeah, I have a lot of concerns just about the eligibility requirements and what was finalized. Um, With that, I feel like there were some things that I don't think that the county had control over um, just because of the framework that the state required, but I'm really concerned and will be curious to see how many applications um, will be submitted that will actually meet the requirements because some of the things on there, um, I think, just out the door put a lot of people um, out, and I'm disappointed about that just because um, the intent is really to help you know people that suffered um, impacts from the war on drugs, and I think some of the requirements didn't quite capture that intent. So that's my concern. Yeah, yeah would you? Like would either of you be willing many. to speak a little bit on what the eligibility requirements are? I don't. I'm not sure if either of you know off the top of your head, but I know Monique, you're saying you have some concerns, and you felt like maybe some of the requirements. Um, perhaps are more rigorous than they need to be or certain individuals won't be eligible. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that? Um, Sure. Just from my perspective, I felt like the, um, first of all, like the income eligibility, you have to have a really low income bracket based from the 2020, um, your 2020 tax returns. Um, And so I don't know that that necessarily um, is going to help out people that are, like, currently in the cannabis program and that have been selling legally in the market. I think people are probably making more than $20,000, and so that's going to be really, you know, 
unfortunate they're not going to be able to qualify just off that. And so I think that was one of the biggest things that highlighted for me that it's going to make people ineligible. Um, and I understand, like, we want to help people that have low income, especially those that haven't even been able to enter this marketplace because they have been displaced from the war on drugs. But I think we've failed to recognize, like, the cultivators that somehow have forged a path through and, um, and, you know, had a better income than that this year, but still have been impacted and maybe even did jail time back, you know, in 2012 or something like that. So, um, and I don't think that's something that the county necessarily had control over, so I don't fault them for that. Um, but it's just, you know, one of those things where it's it's going to be really interesting to see how many people actually qualify based on those um, income brackets alone. I see. Well, so, in, also, in your opinion, is that sort of? I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Well, what Mo is saying is right, and that if we don't open it up to a lot of people, then we're going to have this money that won't be able to be spent. And what GoBiz told us was that with the the grant money, not necessarily matching money but the grant money has to be used on the people who are eligible. So such as this cooperative development, it's only for the people who are eligible at this point. And so if we have eligibility requirements that are excluding way too many people, so we're not going to have a program. We're not going to uh, – it's just not going to work well. So, so this is the first year, and um, – Maybe we need to make adjustments sooner than later. Um, and that would be talking with GoBiz and revising our our manual. Because the money's no good if we I don't see. Do okay. Go ahead. John, are you there? Yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. Yes, I agree. The money's no good if we can't spend it all to help to help our cultivators um, and those in the program. So I think that we have Ted on the line with us now. Um, Ted, are you here with us? Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it. So we've just been joined by Supervisor Ted Williams of the 5th District. We have Supervisor John Haschek of the 3rd District and also Covalo Cannabis Advocacy Group and small cultivator Monique Ramirez with us as well. And we are, we just discussed the equity grant and we're going to be discussing um, the CEQA-MESS and the uh, possible Appendix G pathway and um, Phase 3 solutions as well with everyone that's on the line. And Ted, I just wanted to give you a chance to share your thoughts on the equity grant um, we were just discussing that, and Monique and John were both raising concerns about the income requirements for um, folks that are applying for this money. So I just wanted to give you a chance to to discuss that and to just maybe share your thoughts on the equity grant. Well, uh, Supervisor Haschek and I are in uh, tight agreement. I, I share his concerns. Uh, at the same time, I want to see that that money starts flowing. And uh, it won't be the last opportunity we're going to be able to uh, reapply, and that may be the best opportunity to broaden the criteria. 
So do we know what sort of projects folks might be able to use this equity grant money for? I know in the past I'd heard, you know, uh, ideas floated that maybe you'd be able to use this money to fix roads on your property, to bring them into compliance and things like that. Is that a realistic expectation? In addition, there's the opportunity to cover some of the um, the cost of the, this bureaucracy. And I think that's, um, you know, a lot of cultivators are looking at the steps to their state license as being number one priority, because if they don't have that, none of the rest matters. They're not in the legal market a year out. And uh, we're hopeful that the existing uh, criteria and um, program description will allow uh, some of the fees to be covered. Okay, and great. So I want to just take a moment. Was, oh. so I'll just add that, yeah, we are lock, looking at um, road, you know, maintenance and culverts and environmental remediation, all those kind of things that people might need to get their property um, permittable. Right. Well, it's good to know that that money might be available for those sorts of projects. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge um, the challenges of remote broadcasting and to let our listeners know that due to the pandemic, the Cannabis Hour is still being remotely hosted. Um, I'm currently broadcasting from the hills outside of Covalo. And I wanted to ask you all where you're broadcasting from. Um, Supervisor Williams, where are you joining us from this morning? Uh, a pull off on Highway 253. Well, thank you for pulling off and joining us. Um, Supervisor Hashcheck, where are you joining us from this morning? I'm in the hills outside of Willits. Wonderful. And Monique, where are you joining us from this morning? Um, I'm joining you from outside of Covalo, about 17 miles up in the mountains. <laughs> On a satellite phone. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful that we can all uh, join together to bring this information to our community. And I thank our listeners for dealing with um, technical issues that often arise as a result of remote broadcasting. And hopefully one day we'll all be able to be back together in the studio because that definitely makes for the best program. So in the meantime, thanks for continuing to tune into the Cannabis Hour. So, Ted, uh, Supervisor Williams, before we got you on the line here, Monique gave us a brief overview of the challenges of the CEQA situation. And so I would like to just move into discussing that more. Um, would you like to give us a, a brief rundown of what the Cannabis Ad Hoc Committee has been doing to try to mitigate that situation? Yeah, so the, the, there's two CEQA uh, requirements. One is for the county permit. Uh, that one, uh, we just need staff to allocate time and, and process. The second is the more difficult challenge. It's CEQA for the state license. Uh, remember, to cultivate, you need both a county permit and a state license. And the county developed its program first before the state. What the state's environmental document looks like. And when the state developed it, uh, we saw that they have a discretionary process requiring a specific review. So it's possible for our cultivators to go through our program and then do the review for the state. And understand that, that process. 
do review and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so what we see in every other county is that the county permit, the local permit for cultivation, generates documentation that can be forwarded on to the state, alleviating the need to do So, unfortunately, you were pretty choppy up until the point where you started mentioning consultants. So, I'm wondering if you would just um, briefly repeat what you said for our listeners that maybe not have been able to hear you about what exactly passed yesterday. The, the item that passed yesterday uh, directs staff to put together criteria for approving uh, planning consultants. These are third parties that will help the, our cultivators document what's already in their county file for the purpose of obtaining a state license. Um, this, it also directs staff to maintain a published list of those consultants so that cultivators have easy access. They can see uh, cultivators that they can go to who can help them. And then um, uh, there was a staff directive to do a, a fee hearing to put together uh what it'll what it'll cost for the county to review what comes back from, from the consultant before passing it on to uh, California Department of Food and Agriculture. The, in, in the broadest sense, uh, we're un, we're taking the county out of the role of being the the bottleneck. It'll be up to cultivators to work with their consultant to meet their their state obligation. This whole time, the there there's have been hiccups in the county process, but the the largest obstacle is that state license that's really outside the scope of our program. This is a way to let cultivators document what the county has already uh, reviewed in a way that will hopefully get them their state license. And if I could add to that, what what Supervisor Williams said is that part of the directive, too, to staff was to help educate the cultivators and to what might be hang-ups for their permit, um, you know, for getting the annual license with the site-specific description, and that if um, 
there's enough information out there that the cultivators could decide on their own whether to go through this consultant or to try to go through a phase three process um, of land use. So, so we want people to be able to make the best decision for themselves. Because if um, staff is saying that only 10 or 15 percent are are going to get through the ordinance process, then what are the hang-ups? What are those glitches that um, are going to keep people from getting through? And if people know what those glitches are, they can either try to fix them or, or go a different pathway. Gotcha. Monique, anything to add to that? No, I just really want to say how much I appreciate both Ted uh, Williams and John Hashtag for their service to trying to figure out a solution and come up with options that we can all pick from because to put us all in the same lane, um, you know, could be really detrimental to some farms. And so I really appreciate that their dedication to trying to find solutions. And although this may not solve the problem for everyone, if we can help 15% of our cultivators go through a really streamlined, less expensive path, then by all means, we need to, we need to do that for them. Um, I know that CCAG members are really excited to possibly use that as a pathway. And also that the county's committing to creating kind of a checklist that people can look through to say, oh, okay, this thing, that's going to be a disqualifier for me. I'm not going to be able to make it, and I'm going to need to wait till the dis um, discretionary pathway is defined with phase three. Um, and one thing that I really hope that the ad hoc will continue to work towards is prioritizing the applicants that can't make it through this other streamlined path um, once phase three does open up, that the first in line will be the phase one operators that need to go through that pathway. Right, and I definitely want to discuss that for sure, but before we move on to that topic, I just wanted to, um, first of all, echo what you had to say in praise of Supervisor Williams and Hashcheck. I've had you both on the show multiple times to discuss this issue over the past few months, and you both have worked very hard in a frustrating set of circumstances to try to find solutions for cultivators. And as a cultivator myself, I do truly appreciate that. So thank you to both of you. And also, um, a question that was sort of coming up in my mind as I was listening to you all discuss this and describe this process is, first of all, what do you know exactly the sorts of things that third-party inspectors will be looking for that will determine whether someone will be eligible to pass through the CEQA or not? And also, I'm unclear on are the third-party inspectors determining whether or not someone is passing through the CEQA, or are they just gathering information in a certain format and then passing it on to someone else? Yeah, they're really not inspectors. The task is documenting the review that was done for hopefully to meet the state's review. And you know, what we don't know is exactly where that line will be, what the state, where this, when the state will issue a, a license. We know if a project is written up showing that there are a lot of code violations without compliance plans. You say, I don't know, a pond put in and then a drying shed over a property line. I can't imagine the state issuing a, a license. But for somebody who has um, worked with planning and building, has all of their permits finalized, has been following the ordinance, 
uh, we have high hopes that this this will work. We think that the, the task may be 10 to 15 hours of, uh, of a, a consultant's time. When I pulled consultants, um, I got prices in the 160 to 175 range. So it's an expense. Seems like we might have lost someone there. Um, Ted, are you still with us? Supervisor Williams? Uh, Monique, are you still with us? And I'm wondering, John, are you still with us on the line? All right. It looks like we're having some technical difficulties right now. So while we are waiting to get our guests back on the line, I'm just going to give us a review of what we've been discussing today. This is the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci, and this is a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. So today's show is an update regarding our um, county's cannabis cultivation program, and I am on the air here live with Supervisor Hashcheck and Supervisor Williams, and um, also Monique Ramirez, founder of the Coblo Cannabis Advocacy Group. Monique, are you still here with us on the air? Yes, I'm here. Great. Thank you. I'm glad we didn't lose you there. And I think we're waiting to get our other guests back after a little bit of a blip there. So we were just discussing um, the consultants that will be able to be used. And I believe Ted is back on the air now as well. Supervisor Williams, are you here with us? Yeah, I apologize. I don't know where you lost me. So these aren't exactly inspectors. Um, The task is to have a consultant write up what's in the existing county records. Um, w- w- this is the show your work element of CEQA, that because the county has already done site-specific review, if, the, if we're able to document that review, we should be able to send it on to the state. And why we think some may not get state licenses, as we went through permits, we found many had code violations without compliance plans for work related directly to the, the cultivation. And if, it, in, if we write up accurately what's in the file, I can't imagine the state issuing a license where, say, a pond was put in without a permit and a drying shed with electrical was unpermitted. But for the the cultivators who have really been on top of it, who have been working with planning and building, have their permits finalized, have been following the ordinance, um, we're we're very hopeful that they will be the ones who get the state licenses issued. The, The estimate on time for a consultant is maybe 10, 15 hours. And as I called around to get prices, I was hearing 160 to 175 an hour. There is an expense to this, but it's far less than the tens of thousands to do full CEQA um, for for CDFA. Fantastic. Um, I think we have Supervisor Hashcheck back on the line as well. Are you there, John? Right. Sorry. I don't know what's happening. I'm back on. There are many challenges to remotely broadcasting, so thank you all for hanging in there, both my guests and my listeners. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, So Supervisor Williams just finished giving us a rundown of um, the costs that might be associated with using the consultants and what exactly the consultants will be doing to assist the process. 
So it sounds like the advice to cultivators who might be interested in using a consultant would be to definitely have all their ducks in a row in terms of compliance plans and um, permits for buildings and, and stuff like that on their property before they go ahead and hire a consultant. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds like an effective way to do it. And we're also working on this agreement with um, California Department of Fish and Wildlife to get the biologists to do the um, sensitive species review and habitat checklist. So, so we're working on trying to streamline that and also the air quality permit. And we think that with with those things in place that we'll be able to move people through the permit system quicker and hopefully get them into a place where they can uh, get the state annual. And what, remind me again of what is the um, date that the provisional licenses will expire? The date that they'll expire? Yeah. It is um, yeah, January 1st, 2022, so less than a year from now. And we're trying to get an extension to that because we realize and CDFA realizes that with the amount of um, provisionals out there in the state that there's no way that they can really process them all in this year. But I think they said that they have 5,000 provisionals and that we have about 700 of those, which represents about 15% of their load. And so it's a, a mutual concern that we both have. And I think that when Supervisor Williams and I talked to Senator McGuire and Assemblymember Wood, that they both realize that it's a problem, too. So we're working on trying to get an extension to that that deadline. Great to hear. So something that, a question that popped into my mind is slightly off the topic of the CEQA, but definitely has to do with our cannabis cultivation ordinance. I had heard it floating around maybe a month ago that the county might be trying to um, reclassify cannabis cultivation as agriculture. Is that true? And, and does anyone want to speak to that and what that might mean? We, we did give uh, direction to staff uh, back in December to look at the possibility of treating cannabis cultivation uh, under the eyes of the, the county as a, a, a row crop. When row crops are allowed in main, many of our zoning designations, um, the hope was we may be able to do a notice of exemption and a, a more lightweight process. A lot of cannabis farmers um, feel that they truly are they're farmers, they're working in agriculture, and um, that uh, treating it any, as anything else is uh, really creating so much overhead that they just can't possibly uh, be economically viable at this small scale, which is what we want in our county. And uh, we don't know where that'll go with the state. We're not putting all our eggs in one basket, and so that effort will continue. Uh, phase three, uh, I've, I've been uh, reading other ordinances around the state and trying to put together a draft to share with Supervisor Hascheck. Hopefully, hopefully the two of us will have similar ideas and uh, we will be following the, the existing board direction. And that needs to happen concurrent. 
and uh, and then this new path we just opened for uh, the secret issue with phase one. So, you know, there's maybe four different projects, and the goal is to keep them all moving because we don't know which one will ultimately work for cultivators. Great information. Thank you. And do if if that moves forward and we do, you know, Mendocino County does wind up classifying cannabis cultivation as an agricultural row crop, how would that affect the issues with CEQA that we are currently discussing? Well, uh, under uh, 8102, the CDFA needs either full site-specific CEQA uh, submitted from the cultivator to them, or uh, evidence that the county has done site-specific review, or a notice of exemption. And we see that uh, Santa Cruz County, back on June 30th of last year, passed an urgency ordinance to uh, move cannabis cultivation closer to uh, agricultural activity for uh, certain zoning. And we don't know we don't know if, that, if that'll be challenged. We don't have a whole lot of input from CDFA on how they think that'll go. But uh, in, in addition to piggybacking on that concept and maybe expanding it a bit, we think there's some value in uh, counties, uh, the chain reaction of counties declaring it to be ag. Maybe that'll send a message to the state that in tr indeed this is agriculture and statewide it needs to be treated as such. It may not just happen overnight as this sort of atomic uh, fl uh, switch flipping at the state level. It may be a series of counties declaring it as ag uh, before the state finally makes the shift. Monique, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I think it would be a great thing for our communities and lifting all these barriers to entry so I'm excited, and hopefully we can get that to happen. If I could add Supervisor one of the things from Santa Cruz, oh, yeah, please. Go ahead. my understanding, oh, Jen? Yes, go ahead. Yes. From my understanding of the Santa Cruz model is that they declared it an agricultural activity for, for commercial ag lands. And so, so that uh, would we don't even have a commercial ag land designation. We certainly have ag land, but um, so so it's not going to work for everybody if we followed that model. But like like Supervisor Williams said, we're just trying to throw out you know different ideas and see what works, and some things might work for. Some types of cultivation and others might work for others. So, so it's kind of a mix and match right now. And um, we feel like the more options we have, the better off we'll be in trying to solve the, the many different problems that we have in our county for, for cultivation and getting that annual license. And if I could throw in one more thing, is that... Uh, the board this year is going to have um, days of special topics, and we're looking at one of those days, which would just be designated to this special topic as one on cannabis. Um, the first one that we have is on January 25th. 
I don't know if we'll be able to use that one for cannabis or not. We talked about it. We set it in the agenda or in the calendar. But we didn't say what we were going to discuss on that special topic day. So I think um, Supervisor Williams and I will be talking about whether we should try to promote that as a day to envision what we want in our county and the different aspects of cannabis, because we do have two new supervisors, and so we'd like to um, be on the same page. And if we can have everyone just have a you know, lengthy discussion about what we really see as the future of cannabis in Mendocino County, I think um, it would help us in making all the small decisions if we have this kind of a strategic plan for cannabis. So we'll let you know more about that if, if it does actually happen on January 25th, because if we don't use that date, then it would be two months later would be the next special topic day. Thank you for that information. I certainly think that sounds like a great idea. Um, I'm going to actually take this moment to open up our phone line to callers who might have a question or comment about what we've been discussing on the show here today. I do want to note that we are using a different call-in number than we normally would be using. So for today, the call-in number to join us on the air is 707-895-3578. That's a different number than we would normally give out. So that number again is 707 895 3578. If you have a question or a comment for myself or Supervisors Williams or Hashtag or Monique Ramirez of the Cobalo Cannabis Advocacy Group, please give us a call. I always love to hear from my listeners out there. So one more time, that phone number for you is 707-895-3578. It's a different call-in number than we normally would be using. So we've discussed... Um, the equity grant, we've discussed the extension of the provisional licenses, and it looks like we have a caller. All right, caller, you are live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you there with us? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Who are we speaking I, with? Oh, uh, this is Brant. Um, I just, I, <laughs> I'm kind of flabbergasted we're talking about um, streamlining environmental regulations and giving grants. I'm sorry, to pot growers. Um, <laughs> I, I thought they were all doing okay. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of got out of it in 84 after an acquaintance of mine got in a gunfight and killed somebody. So, But um, uh, it's, it seems like the same people that, you know, we kind of got this, you know, the back to the landers that were, that we've been hearing nothing, but there's not enough environmental regulation, and now everybody came against environmental regulation. They're all like, oh, my God, fish and game. They're Nazis. Yeah? Welcome to the club is all I can say. That's all my comment. Thank you very much. Bye. So I, I, I appreciate the comment, but to add a little clarity, before anybody thinks we're giving out county money uh, to cannabis cultivators, this is money that um, uh, is from the state. Uh, associated with Prop 64, the intended purpose is for uh, equity grants. If we don't use it, it'll go uh, to another county for the same purpose. 
And so we thought, well, this makes sense. We'd rather have a a regulated market of responsible cultivators. The way to do that is get them through their permitting and licensing. And then on that second point about um, the the environment, uh, a lot of of the cultivators who are trying to play right in the legal market, uh, they do care about the environment. The difficulty is the state set up uh, a system that's the most most regulated uh, industry we've ever seen in the state, and it's really geared towards agribusiness. It's favoring those large corporate entities that can do massive scale while putting out the, putting uh, the small farmers out of business. Where will that leave the county? Imagine if we go back to just the illegal market or we remove cannabis completely. It's one of the major revenue sources, but we, want, we do want it to be responsible. We do want it to look out look out for the environment. And I think uh, I think the sheriff wants to, to try to funnel everybody into regulation rather than having a free-for-all, especially, you know, in some of these um, outlying areas where we do see an uptick in crime. Thank you, Ted, for that thoughtful response. And we do have another caller, but before we bring them on, I wanted to give um, Supervisor Hashcheck and also Monique a chance to comment on that um, caller if you would like to. Mo, you want to go first? Uh, um, yeah, I think Monique. I just I understand what that caller is trying to say about like streamlining environmental regulation, and I mean I am off, and our group is all for being regulated environmentally. That's something that we're really proud to stand up for. Um, it's just we want to streamline this process get through that um, checklist and everything and meet the requirements. Not that we want to streamline. Uh, if that word defined for that person meant like just that, no, we want to prove our work and prove what we're doing on our land is regenerative and cares about the future and the soil and everything like that. So I just hope that there's clarity out there. So that's you know that's the intent behind this and just to streamline the paperwork process to to prove that to the state. I would totally agree with what Moses yeah. said and said and that um, we aren't trying to streamline the environmental regulations. We're just trying to make sure that the process is navigable for people. And so um, with that, we don't, you know, there's certainly lots of people who are doing it right. And then with the equity money, you know, like William said, if we don't use it, it's going back to the state. And we have this opportunity to help the environment and help people get to do their annual license, and that's, a, I think, better for the environment. So that's the goal that we're using that best for, is to make sure that people get through the, the hoops for their annual license. Exactly. So I think that we have another caller waiting, and thank you all for responding to that caller's concern. Um, Caller, are you there? You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Yes. Would that be my call? Yes. Is this Corinne? Thank you. Yes, this is Corinne, and I apologize that by the time we finish up on this item uh, on Tuesday, I was not able to stay on and get an answer to my last question, which was, is there any direction to staff at this point 
to make extensions on cultivation renewal applications because so much is still in flux. What are we uh, expecting for those of us like myself who are renewing this month and there's still no resolution on many issues? Can uh, the supervisors please talk to that issue? So for the phase one cultivators, there shouldn't be anything in flux. They may be uh, trying to decide whether to continue with their phase one or wait for phase three. But as far as the permit, the permitting process for phase one, this is those with uh, the proof of prior. Um, yeah. I can't, I Ted, can I, major can you still hear me? Can yes. you still hear me? Okay. What about your comments uh, in previous meetings where you said possibly the county permit cannot be issued to someone who did not have uh, SSHR review and or water, excuse me, air quality and other things that are still in flux. Those are my issues. Things like that. So I not that I'm I, not I compliant with many other issues, but the things that still have not been resolved. Is, is anything except that air quality and SSHR holding you up? Not to my knowledge. If those are the only two, the county is contracting with Fish and Wildlife for Biologists to do the Sensitive Species and Habitat Review. This was a requirement of our own ordinance, not a state requirement. And um, some, some permits were issued by the Ag Department years back that didn't uh, follow that step. That'll be a problem when we go to get state li try to get state licenses for those people because the skip was completely omitted. And so um, that, that work is under contract. Fish and Wildlife will be starting on it with a couple biologists. And then the, uh, the air quality supervisor has, Jack and I are working with uh, Barbara at air quality to see what we can do about speeding it up, but that's also on the county. Both of those requirements are county obligations. Right. I understand that. And what I'm saying is, I will not probably have access to a contracted biologist to do county work by the time my license is expect, excuse me, my permit will expire. So are you saying that I shouldn't worry about that and that I can continue to operate even though there may be a lag time between my renewal date and a biologist available? I, are you saying I my, should go my, out and get my own... SHHR, we, we I, I still feel like I'm in yeah. limbo. Not, not speaking for the whole board because the, the, the full board hasn't uh, given direction on this, but for myself, and hopefully Supervisor Hatchek will join me here, if the only thing that's holding up your county permit renewal is two inspections that were the county's obligation, um, I, don't, I don't think in good faith we can hold you up. I think that renewal will need to be processed. Those inspections will need to continue, and uh, those will block uh, the, the state license, and I know all the cultivators want their state licenses because there is less than a year left. Um, Supervisor Hascheck, would you like to add any additional comments? Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Is that um, you know this roadblock of the SSHR and the air quality has not been the cultivators' issue. It's been really a county issue, and working with um, state agencies. So, so we will um, check it out with staff and try. We're just the ad hoc, but um, I think we'd both recommend that um, permits be extended in those cases. 
and we are doing our best to get rid of those roadblocks. All right. Well, thank you, Corinne, for those questions. Um, very good and timely questions to ask. And thank you to Supervisors um, Williams and Hashtag for responding. We are reaching the end here. We have about um, four minutes of airtime left. So I wanted to just give the floor to my guests here and ask, oh, well, it looks like we have time for just one more caller. So I am going to give out that number one more time, and then we will chat um, while we see if there's anyone out there who still wants to call in. So the call-in number is 895-3578. That is 895-3578. If you would like to call, we have time for one more quick question. And in the meantime, um, oh, well, it looks like we have a caller. All right, caller, you're live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you there with us? Yes, I am, and I have a quick question, um, if it'll be a yes or no. I have been reviewing the ordinance uh, number 4381 um, uh, that was adopted in April 4, 2017, by the county, uh, just to keep uh, on an ad hoc meeting for community group, just to keep our community group up to date on what's going on because of how many um, ag lands border residential area. And I'm talking about River Valley specifically. I still, did I still uh, read this and, and keep up to date, or am I wasting my time? Is this going to be thrown out? Thank you, caller. Um, I know that caller was a little choppy. Did anyone grasp that question enough to provide an answer to that caller? No, I didn't. Oh, Supervisor Williams, do you feel like you can understand what he said? Uh, no, I only got something about the 2017 ordinance, and he's wondering if it'll be thrown out or if it's being updated, maybe. But I didn't, I didn't get the whole. All right. Yeah, unfortunately, caller, if you're out there and you're listening, um, it was a little too choppy to understand your question. So if you would like to, you can always email me. Uh, my email address is kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. That's kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. And I'll do my best to pass that question along to the appropriate party and uh, get that answered for you and address it on the next episode of the Cannabis Hour. But we've got just about two minutes of airtime here remaining. So I just wanted to go around to each one of my guests today and give you each a chance to just wrap up and say any final words to our listeners. Um, Supervisor Williams, would you like to go first? Um, I know we've met a lot about cannabis. It's, um, it's, it seems like it's our fixation, to, and I, I think that'll probably change this year. I think we're going to get phase one wrapped up. We'll give direction on the phase three ordinance. Um, I think we're almost uh, through digging ourselves out of this mess. Fantastic. Supervisor Haschek, any final words for our listeners today? Well, Supervisor Williams and I are working on this practically every day, and um, we're going to have another call with CDFA. We think that um, they're kind of, well, I just got an email from Richard Parrott, who's the director of Cal Cannabis, and it seems like they're 
they're in agreement with this process that we're um, in, you know, we're going this on this pathway we're going down with um, the consultants and everything with the phase one. Our commitment is to help people get through this process as easily as possible. And we will um, have to look at phase three and, you know, Hopefully, we can get as many people through this phase one as possible, but if not, then um, we'll be looking at what the big picture is and how to get them through phase three. So so with that, I think there's hope. Always good to have some hope. Monique, do you have any final words for our listeners before we get off the air here today? Yeah, I'm excited as a small cultivator and representing the advocacy group that we're going to find a solution for everybody. And even if not everyone can go through this streamlined pathway for um, this process, that the supervisors and the new board will prioritize the phase one applicants that have put so much investment into this county process, this program, and given our money to the general fund, and that that will be prioritized moving forward. So I'm feeling really hopeful and I'm just so grateful again to have um, supervisors like Hashtag and Williams representing their districts and listening to their constituents and trying to find solutions. So thank you so much. Thank you, Monique. And um, thank you to everyone who joined us today. This has been another edition of the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci, and I will be back with you two weeks from today. Thank you to Supervisor Williams, Supervisor Hashtag, and Monique Ramirez, Low Cannabis Advocacy Group, for joining us to discuss um, what's going on with our county's cultivation, cultivation ordinance. And uh, I'll be back two weeks from today. In the meantime, you can always reach me at KZYX Cannabis Hour. At-